for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. To quote the icon, Burgess Meredith, in the American cinematic treasure, Grumpy Old Man. It is colder than a witch's, okay, I'm going to paraphrase, it's colder than a witch's uh, female part out there. I mean, it's, it is, it's, it's really cold. It's going to be 75 this weekend. I know. I know. And that's, that's nice. That's, it's like they're just the, the Mother Nature and winter's dropping in to uh, kick us in the ass a little bit and give us a taste, a literal bite of what's to come. But I don't know about you if it's rationalization, Stockholm Syndrome, but I'm, I was actually not excited, but I was, I was all right. I was, I, was, I was all right with the cold today. Wear some flannel. Like you, when you go inside the places out of the cold and it's warm, like the like the Gateway Lounge or a warm car that you have to start and heat up before you get in. I don't know. I, I'm starting to kind of dig that. Well, fall is a very enjoyable month, especially for old farts like us who supposedly, <laughs> you know, want to drink our pumpkin spice latte or whatever. <laughs> um, Oktoberfest beer. I don't do that, but but um, which is by the, the way just cinnamon. The problem is there's usually no fall in South Dakota. Pretty much yes. goes straight from summer to winter. Right. Uh, we've kind of had one this year, so yeah. yeah, enjoy it while it lasts. It, a little bit, yeah. It's it, it it comes and goes in like three seconds, yeah. but um, I made chili for lunch over the weekend for the fam, and we yeah. did the pumpkin patch thing on Sunday. You know, got Arthur a pumpkin and took family photos in front of the you know corn and everything. So yeah, we're doing our fall thing, and now I'm probably gonna mow the lawn this weekend. <laughs> and, uh, Get ready for winter. I feel lucky about this weekend because we're going up to Aberdeen. We have an 18-year-old who's a red shirt at Northern State, but we're going to so, you know, we'll be going to all his games eventually, but he's not playing this year, but this this will be our one game. It's the date everybody could do. Our whole Brady bunch is going up there all together in an SUV, getting an Airbnb, doing probably a, a little uh, little beer or whiskey drinking and uh and enjoying ourselves. It's going to be 72 in Aberdeen in October. We did this five years ago when our, uh, when our, young, when our oldest was 18 and at Northern. And it was late September and it was, 40, it was like 35 fucking degrees. We tailgated in the car because it was so awful. Once you get past Brookings heading north, the weather is it's different. I mean, yeah. you think, oh, it's only 100 some miles away. It'd be the same climate as here. And it mostly is. Mm. But you get a, I mean... It can be 10, 15, 20 degrees colder up there. Right. And then, and then to think that there's a North Dakota above this. Right. And then there's a Canada above that. Right. Like, what the, what well, the hell I'll are I'll be in Grand Forks doing? this weekend, which That's uh, right. be the first time I've been there in a long, long time. I used to have to go there all the time because back when uh, Augie and USD and UND were all in the NCC together still. Yeah. Uh, I covered some basketball NCC tournaments up there like three, four years in a row or something. And Grand Forks is a nice town. I like it there, and the facilities at UND are great, but I'll never forget the first time I was there, covered a couple games, went back to my hotel room in Grand Forks, start channel surfing, and they had uh, Canadian TV channels. 
And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> you know you're a ways up north when you got CBC <laughs> on the cable package. We're up here. What what they have on there? A little SCTV? I uh, don't remember. I don't remember. Strange Brew? Um, you are uh, South uh, Canada, I'm as busted. I like to say. Yes, that's yeah. right. Well, and by the way, because uh, we'll obviously talk about your trip to Fargo and the fact that you are going to Grand Forks, which is saying something. It must be a big enough game. Argus is going to go. I'm assuming you're not paying your own way, so it's a big game. But uh, I, I was, uh, to finish off the weather in college football, I was at the Augie game on Saturday, and it was glorious. It was yeah. a 65-degree day. Uh, I kind of almost felt bad for those of you in Fargo inside the Dome because it was, uh, i got to say, Augie and USF, uh, they both have lovely settings, especially if the weather is good. And Augie, i got to tell you, uh, and 4,000 fans, uh, game went down to the wire, yeah. two five and one teams. I think it was the 100th anniversary of the school. It was Vikings Days, homecoming. This is the 100th year anniversary of their football program. Of the foot. Thank you. Okay, yeah. I knew it was 100-something. And so, yeah, I think the weather helped. We, we got there a little late, imagine that. And, uh, I mean, it was, uh, it's the biggest Augie crowd I've ever seen. And uh, Wayne brought a lot of fans. Awesome game, touchdown with nine seconds left, back and forth. But um, the uh, the uh, the beer this is my this is my first time at Augie drinking beer at an Augie game. I gotta say, quite popular. Like it, the space they put their beer garden in isn't big enough. You know, it, it gets pretty crowded back there. You don't and, say. And uh, people people really enjoy it. And they they get to. I don't know if this is different from past years. Uh, I, I thought I had heard maybe I heard it incorrectly in past years that you could only drink there and they're designated no they changed it this year yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. A, it's a nice addition to the stadium and you know what it didn't feel i mean we talk about this all the time but we don't experience it a lot you're in the press box you don't really as far as i know you don't drink before games uh, I don't know. <laughs> um you're not in the stands uh it i've been to i you know i go to about one augie game a year i go to 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 at least one usf game a year this did not change the atmosphere of the Augie game. The only thing that was different was it feels like they're, they've, they've, they've hopped on the game day experience wagon, not just with beer, but with music and videos and stuff like that. And it's a little more lively, but it was certainly not um, annoyingly or irresponsibly drunk. Some people drank beer, some people didn't. It was fun, and that was that. It's hilarious in hindsight now, especially now that USD and SDSU are on board too, so everyone's doing it, yeah. except USF. Um, it's hilarious now to think that we waited this long, that we acted like, you know, the earth was going to open up and the devil was going to come out and right. pull us all down to hell for drinking beer at yep. college football games. And now we're doing it and it's like, oh, yeah, why haven't we been doing this for the last 30 years? Yep, exactly. I mean, and, and, and we sat in the front row. Typical we were, South Dakota. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> then finally, yes. And, oh, yeah, what's the big deal? You know, we just had to say no 37,000 yes. times before we could say yes. What's interesting, know. and i got to watch what I say here, is if USF will ever do it. But, um, it, you know, they're, they're, they're firmly on the side of no. And, and, by the way, you've been to plenty of USF games at Bob Young Field, and I have as well. They're, I mean, they've got good fans. They've got an exciting atmosphere. They're and, a great uh, tailgate, and people yeah. are drinking at the tailgate. So exactly. I don't know if they're being hypocrites about that or looking the other way, or they think that, you know, that they have some sort of reputation to uphold as – a private school or whatever. I'm sure it's a little bit of all those things. I know Willie Sanchez, the former athletic director, said to me a long time ago, he wanted to start serving beer there, like right when they opened Bob mm -hmm. Young Stadium. And mm -hmm. Like, hey, that's something we can do that no one else does. And he said the USF, um, you know, board of directors or whatever, like I said, looked at him like he had just said he wanted to do human sacrifices in the end zone or something. And yeah. they just reacted as if that was a horrifying idea. So Yeah. And and there is Go yeah. ahead and do it that way. Yeah, that's fine. Uh so anyway, 
Uh, and again, they, they've got a good football atmosphere. It's a great football atmosphere there. When your team wins and, and plays well uh, and students show up and all those things happen at Bob Young Field for USF games, then uh, I mean, that's the most important ingredients to having a great atmosphere, whether you toss alcohol in or not. But from my experience, uh, and it'll be fun to go to a Jackrabbit game or Cavett game soon, uh, we'll, we'll see what it's like it, it, inside those places as well. So what was it like in the Fargo Dome? By the way, we've got a lot of uh, questions. Uh, thank you off Twitter. Uh, from the listeners, we're going to do it again. Uh, you retweeted that this morning, so I, I assume you appreciated that. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll address the conversation from beyond this table. But, uh, yeah, what was the atmosphere like? Second half, throughout the second half in Fargo uh, in the Jackrabbits' 23-21 win, which, as you uh, carefully noted, was a 16-0 second-half shutout. What was it collectively like with these Bison fans, especially when it was all over? I mean, what do you think? It was a tale of two halves, you know, the first half. I'm <laughs> sorry. Mean, well, I'm just saying. I mean, it was, it was exactly as it looked, you know. Um, I was down on the field for the first quarter. Uh, which I'd never done before for the actual game. I'm usually down in the field pregame. I decided to stay down for the first quarter, um, take some photos mostly. But also I wanted to to sort of see what that was like. And, you know, the Jacks were just getting absolutely run over. I mean, it was one thing to, you know, give up some points, but three consecutive drives, almost four, really, where North Dakota State just had their way with them. It's 21-7. You know, the Jacks offense did a decent job of answering back, but, you know, they, they almost had to be perfect the way North Dakota State was rolling. Um, it was rocking in there, as you'd expect. You know, the place was loud. It was a sold-out crowd. Um, they were making noise. I, there was a lot of talk before the game that North Dakota State fans sort of recognized that, hey, we might be the underdogs in this game. You know, our fans kind of need us for this one because, you know, it, 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 there wasn't as much of this – sense of, oh, the Jackrabbits are coming in to get their asses kicked, as is often how Bison fans approach that game. It was much more <laughs> like, hey, you know, our team needs us because this is going to be a tough one. Yeah. And then when they just, like I said, the Jacks, I mean, it was hot knife through butter the way the, the Bison were moving it. Yeah. And uh, the place was rocking, and, you know, you have to give the Jacks credit, I think, for obviously, you know, resilience and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, you could see even as that was happening, like, well, they're not panicking. You know, they don't look like they're – they didn't have that glossy-eyed, you know, dazed, we just got hit by a couple knockout punches kind of look. It was more like, geez, how are we going to get this fixed? Mm. Having said all that, as much as you want to credit the Jacks, you want to give them for, you know, making adjustments or, or not panicking or having the resiliency, whatever, um, if the Bison score that touchdown down before half where they could have gone up 28-7, they win the game. I don't think the Jacks come back from yeah, that deficit. Yeah, that was, that was pretty much your lead. Yeah, well, the I mean, story. they're on the three-yard line if it wasn't for Cam Miller's uh, taunting penalty. So that takes them from the three back to the 18 or the five to the 20, something like that. Then on the next play, they call an incredibly I, – I, I don't understand what the hell Matt Entz, Tyler Roll, whoever were thinking, bringing in your backup quarterback to run some sort of trick play. Then the Jacks – I think they either they blitzed or they just got tremendous pressure right away. Mm-hmm. The guy panics and – Throws up a 50-50 ball and gets picked off. Yeah. You know, and instead of being 28-7 or at worst 24-7, now it's 21-7. The Jacks are going to the locker room going, we've been absolutely getting run over for 30 minutes, and we're only down by two scores, and we get the ball first to start the second half. Mm-hmm. They go down and kick a field goal. Obviously would have preferred a touchdown, but they mm-hmm. go down and kick a field goal. It's 21-10. Hey, you're right back in the game. And as it would turn out, the <laughs> Bison wouldn't even threaten to score the rest of the game. Just right. be stop, 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 stop. It was a completely different football game. 
and you know, to get back to your question as far as the, the atmosphere in the dome, I mean, obviously yeah. it did a complete 180, and there was definitely you you heard a few boo birds during the game, but not many. Um, and that surprised me a little bit. I don't know if that's because Bison fans are such good fans that they kind of feel like, hey, we can't boo these guys that won nine national championships, you know. Right. Or if it was just a sense of, oh, they'll figure it out or they'll come back. I- I'm not sure, but there were very few boos and uh, a lot of silence, a lot of frustration. And, uh, sure. When, you know, when, when it's – and there's also a lot of – you ever been in a, a, at a game where – you know, when good things happen, you hear cheers, and when bad things happen, you hear boos. But sometimes you hear almost like screams or shrieks, as if people are like in disbelief, sort uh, of. You know? Yeah, a lot of Husker games the last twenty years. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> on, on the last couple <laughs> drives for the Bison, you heard a lot of that passes falling incomplete, and ah! hearing yeah, this kind of like how did this happen? Like ah, like like people just. I don't know how else to describe it other than screaming. Losing their minds. Yeah, in just sort of like, how, how is this happening? Uh, the last offensive play for the Bison. They have fourth and ten, and they're at midfield. They only need a field goal. I mean, they're a first down or two away from being in field goal range to win the game. And Dallas Beanham knocks the ball away. It hits the ground, and you hear this tiny pocket of SDSU fans stuffed way up in the corner cheering. But mostly you hear these, like I said, these sort of shrieks of disbelief from Bison fans just going, that was the game, that's it. And sure enough, the Jacks, they actually didn't even take a knee. They ran a play first, got another first down, so then they could take a knee and, and run out the clock, and that was it. So, I mean, it was, I wouldn't say it was surreal because it's not anymore. They beat them three times in a row, including two in a row at the Dome. And you definitely saw more of a sense of, hey, yeah, We've been here. We This is what we do. We come to Fargo and win now. Um, they, they didn't celebrate this win as aggressively as they have in the past. It sure. was a little bit more, yeah, let's go put our hands on the marker, hold it up for some pictures, and then go back to the locker room because we got another game next week. This is how it happens. Uh, I did, you know, I mentioned I went to the Augie game, so I did not really engage in, in the SDSU game and knowing that the Augie game would get over right when the second half started, and then yeah. I had to, I drove around town and got lost heading to a catering event, which I helped out a friend work. And anyway, uh, I listened to the second half mostly, um, and I didn't. And um, and I it just kind of felt. I mean, it felt like a great tight college football game. I didn't know the context of how it got to twenty-one-seven. Obviously, mm-hmm. I just knew that it would. But I had been told because Tyler Merriam's excellent at his job. Uh, that it had been 21-7, and um, and so, but I, I was able to hear every score of the second half on my <laughs> ridiculous uh, drive all over this fucking city, getting lost. And um, you the, know, your phone has an app in it where you can put in the address of where you're going, and then it'll just take you right there. <laughs> so it's funny how you say that because I I, I had assumed it, this was a wedding, at, this was a wedding reception at a barn. And so, somebody had told Harrisburg? me. Harrisburg? Yeah, some, no, not the one in Harrisburg, the one in, over by uh, Wildwater West. And, okay. and and maybe a few days earlier, somebody had, because I worked this with my husband and his daughter, and anyway, and we're friends with the people that run the catering service, and they said, uh, and I had, I, I, had, I had mistakenly thought I had heard the barn by uh, Wildwater West. And it was, no, no, this was a new one that's just like way up uh, n- north of I 20, I 90, up by it's like the northeast, way northeast, uh, uh, off of Cliff Avenue. Anyway, and it had con- and it had construction and a detour, and it was just ridiculous. And a gra- gravel roads. Anyway, um, but at, at the same time, I was kind of thinking, 
oh good i can just i can i've gotten lost now and i've got a lot of time to get back and i just i wanted to I want to. I, 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 to I, I can't watch this game. I can at least listen to it. Anyway, who gives a shit? And it was, uh, but it was a close, tight game. But as somebody who's been consuming Jackrabbits and Bison now for uh, a long time, uh, I, I was getting the same sort of feeling. Like every time the Jacks kicked a field goal, which was three times in that second half, including they were unable to punch it in from the one yard line mm-hmm. uh, late in the game. And I kind of thought this is going to hurt. Like I know N- NDSU hasn't scored this half, but come on, if they only need a field goal to win, right. they're at home. They've got a running game. They, and, uh, and you know, for a second, just a second, I was kind of like John Stiegelmeyer, you're on the road. Just, uh, but you, but you're behind with three minutes left. You're not going to try to score the touchdown. You got to put points on the board. Yeah, I thought that was a no-brainer. And, even though there yeah. were a few people on Twitter that suggested otherwise, yeah. and you, you got to put points on the board. That maybe is something that illustrates how sort of the worm has turned yes. in this rivalry. That's what I thought to myself too. Not just the. I mean, what a, maybe you're thinking the same thing I am. But w- what I mean is. So they score. You, like I said, you, you you can go for the touchdown, and obviously if you score the touchdown, you're in better shape. You don't clinch it. You're still only up by, what, five yeah. or six. And there was, like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, at least three, if not four. at there's least like four minutes. Left, and so, like of that. course, I thought, like, there's a lot of game left. But you have to take the lead. Yeah. You have to get right. the lead while you have the chance. Yeah. Yes. But what I mean by things changing a little bit is, you know, if I'm a Vikings fan, let's put it that way, and the Vikings kick a field goal to go up by two with four minutes left, I'm kind of like, pfft. Why even bother? You know, what do you do? Like, like you're going to get a stop with four minutes left when you only have, you know, you're only up by two. And maybe five years ago, again, any team playing against the Bison, you're going to think two minutes, or I mean four minutes and they only need two points. Like, it's a given. It's a gimme. Hopefully, if anything, North Dakota State saves you a couple minutes on the clock after they kick the field goal, you know. Let them get their three and hope you still got a minute left to answer. It, this rivalry has changed to such a degree that when the Jacks kicked that field goal, field goal to go up by two, I felt like, I think this is over. I think North Dakota State isn't used to really being in this position of being the team to have to come from behind. And even though they're only down by two and all they need is a field goal, like all the pressure's on them. They're the team that's at home. They're the team that's struggling, that's offense hasn't done shit since the second quarter. The Jacks' defense has all the momentum after – just not even showing up for the first four drives. They have absolutely locked down on you for the rest of the game. Like, I just don't think North Dakota State can move the ball. I don't think they have any chance of getting into field goal range here, even with four minutes left. I felt like this game is over. I didn't feel that confident, uh, but I did think, um, but along the same lines, I thought compared to past years, first of all, uh, this Jackrabbit defense, as you so pointedly pointed out, you know, is, is I don't know if you mean they're the absolute best defense in the country or statistically the best defense, but they're statistically they were coming in. They're a great defense, so that you got that going for you, which is nice. NDSU has had not only has not only at times struggled to be explosive, just like SDSU has this season, but they had not scored at all in this. They hadn't moved at all in the second half. So even if there was any sort of controversy or true choice that John Stiegelmeyer had with uh, four minutes left to uh, run it in from one yard or kick an 18-yard field goal, you had the defense and the way it was playing the whole second half to go, come on, we're if we want to show we're a number one program, you know, it, it, underdogs on the road who are good teams trying to beat teams that are better than them, yeah, sometimes they take the big risk of we, we need a touchdown here because they're going to score. Mm-hmm. 
but you're you're trying to become the number one team in the country and win a first national championship and get over that hurdle, and, and you already have a great defense. It's kind of if we let, let's just let's put our, let's put this game in the defense's hands. Kick the field goal. Uh, the defense should have this, <laughs> and they did. And um, I thought that was an impressive victory. And of course, because the Bison were literally shut out in the second half. Um, I, I had some Bison fr- fans uh, who are friends, and I'm going to uh, read you what one of them said. Um, uh, is we have Coyote Eric, and now we're going to have Bison Greg. But, uh, boy, they were freaking out after the game. I mean, they, I mean, we were talking last week, and Mike McFeely kind of wrote about this in his uh, game column, that uh, maybe the tides are turning. Maybe this is, uh, in fact, the headline of McFeely's column was, maybe it's finally a Jackrabbit's world. Not only that, you know, uh, that the Bison, uh, beating the Bison thing is getting to be old hats for the Jackrabbits. No big deal, as McFeely wrote. Three state straight times, five of the last eight, back-to-back in Fargo, first time in 70 years. Uh, Jacks are now number one in the polls, I believe, first time ever. Um, all that jazz. Uh, but not only that, but, oh, maybe this is where NDSU is slowly eroding. This is where the dynasty starts. And that could be true. I'd, I'd encourage everybody to pump the brakes because NDSU has a history of uh, coming back strong and winning national titles and after this. And also the FCS is getting weaker and weaker by the day. So even if they are brown, they're still going to be better than – 99% of the other programs. Yes, exactly. But uh, did you feel at all in watching that game, consuming whatever you consumed afterward, that how much did NDSU play a part in this? Because part of what McFeely wrote, I don't want to misquote him, but was that uh, that NDSU, at least at, in parts of this game, beat NDSU and not SDSU. NDSU stopped NDSU is what well, he wrote. Well, I mean, the two biggest plays in the game were mistakes by North Dakota State. Yeah. Um, that We mentioned the... I'm going to call the taunting on Miller and the interception, call that one play, one sequence. Let's put it that way. Miller makes this stupid penalty. Now, you can say it was a bad call, and maybe it was, but the fact is it was called, and it took him from first and goal at the five-yard line to back to the 20-yard line. And then they respond to that penalty by calling an awful, unforgivably stupid play call, which leads to an interception, which takes points off the board. Mm -hmm. Not to take – I'm not trying to take anything away from SDSU, but Colby Herter had a – lobbed ball dumped into his lap. You know, I would have caught that. That was NDSU beating themselves on that play. Then um, you take the other big play of the game was early in the second half. Jacks are down 21-10. Mark Gronowski gets drilled on a blindside corner blitz, and the ball pops out, and there's nobody there except number 55 for North Dakota State. It is a free recovery. Now, his back was to me, so I can't, in fairness to the kid, I don't know if the ball took a funny bounce. We always talk about football's shape funny. It bounces funny. That's what makes football fun. Um, it must have taken a somewhat of a, a goofy bounce because, I mean, it just was – he was the only guy there. I mean, it was a free fumble recovery. Somehow he didn't get it. Part of it was, like I said, it must have taken a goofy bounce. But Mason McCormick, who was like three yards away, just said, fuck this. This is our season right here, and dove in there and stole the ball from the kid. Wow. Gets the recovery. And uh, instead of, you know, I'm good. Or, no, I'll have another one of these. Um, if number 55, I can't remember, Cole Menz, I think was his name, for North Dakota State, if he recovers that, Bison are up 21-10, they're in Jack's territory, they probably get at least a field goal there. Or if nothing else, they take five more minutes off the clock from SDSU. Mm. Instead, the Jack- Jacks hold possession. They scored a touchdown on that drive yeah. to cut it 21-17. Mm. So, I mean, those are two pretty big mistakes. And, and again, I don't want to take it away from, from South Dakota State. They had to create pressure to get the interception. Mason McCormick made a great play to get the fumble recovery. But those are two pretty huge mistakes uh, by the Bison that played into it. So I think that's what Mike's referring to there. 
Um, but the other thing, and I, I made reference to this just a second ago, you could feel in the dome when NDSU got the ball down two in the fourth quarter, that Bison swagger that we've seen for the last decade and a half was nowhere to be found. Interesting. They did not look like a team that were like, cool, you kicked a field goal to take the lead. Watch us drive down the field and kick your ass here and, and win the game. They looked more like, oh, shit, we're losing, and our offense hasn't done anything today. What are we going to do? How are we going to do this? They looked unsure of themselves. The Jacks were the team that had the momentum, that had the confidence, that were like, this game's over, bud. You're not yeah. able to come down here and score. Yeah. And uh, so shortly after that game, actually, I think I saw it after I worked the catering thing and got back on my phone for the first time in a few hours, was uh, my, my bison friend Greg, who I don't think is an ir- irrational football fan, and he's been – yeah, he's just he's been living in that in the Fargo area for uh, you know pretty much this whole national championship run, and his 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 immediate post on Facebook after the game was wow that had to be the most pathetic second half of football I've ever watched. Coach ends get your house in order, and I was like Greg, come on. But that's what this is what is. Uh, both awesome and terrible about post-game radio shows from fans and post-game social media reaction is it's uh, it's it's all incredibly hypersensitive, prisoners of the moment, and it also took me back to what 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 you said. It also took me back to again channel the dominant Husker, you know, '90s glories years. Once that started to slip, and you, and this kind of thing started to happen, uh, it was it, you're not as a fan conditioned to be like. Maybe other teams are just as good or better than us, or at least were right. better than us that day. It's what did we do wrong? How did we fuck this up? Right. And you made two great points, but there were crucial plays in the game where, as Mike McFeely, out of context in his column, wrote uh, that missed opportunity touchdown in the first half that could have made it 28-7 and lights out. You know, he that was where he specifically wrote NDSU stopped NDSU there. Uh-huh. But I wanted, I didn't, and I I didn't because I was driving, so I didn't respond to Greg. But I was kind of like. I wanted to respond to this this pathetic second half and coach, or just maybe you're playing the number one defense in the country and they're really good and you know they outplayed you. But um, it's always a little bit of both. Of course, um, I'll never forget a few years ago. Um, I think it was Kleiman's final year when the Jacks beat the Bison uh, in Brookings. Uh, I think that would have been 2018. Then probably yeah, um, the Fargo media. And I'm not referring so much to Mike and Jeff and the, the the TV people. It seems more can sometimes be very like kind of shark like, you know. Like um, I remember after the game when the Jacks won in Brookings against the Bison, Kleiman's just getting drilled with all these questions like, "What about this? What are you doing here?" Like, and these questions were just so accusatory. And Kleiman's a good dude; he doesn't lose his temper or anything, but. He finally just goes, you guys, like other football teams are good. Do you really think that we're just supposed to go 2,000 and 0 <laughs> for the rest of our lives? Like, fuck off. Like, you could just tell he was like, can we lose a game for once and not have it be the end of the world that I don't have to reevaluate every single thing I'm doing in my program? Like, <laughs> I remember kind of chuckling when he responded. I mean, he, he held his composure, but you could tell he was just like, enough. Like, they beat us. Have you seen who's on their team? They're they're pretty good too, you know. So that's always going to be part of it. Um, and I, I, you know, I I think there's a certain amount of of Bison fans. A, a lot of Bison fans follow me on Twitter and interact with me during games and, and during the season. And you know, most of them thought the Jacks were going to win this game coming in. So there wasn't a yeah. whole bunch of they weren't like super surprised. I, I think the fact that 
you know, the Bison had a chance to put them away in the first half. Like, they dominated the first 25 minutes of the game. That made it a little more frustrating. Sure. Like, we, we should have won that game. We had it in the bag and, and let it go. Well, and frankly, um, this is the kind of thing, not necessarily against NDSU, but this has been the kind of thing that, the, that, SDS, that SDSU's done a time or two, is to blow a lead like this or not finish things when they should, et cetera, in mm-hmm. big games. Yeah. I mean, but. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, how we talked in last week's podcast how, you know, I kind of boxed McFeely's ears a little bit about his column saying, oh, geez, it feels like the Jacks are going to blow him away in this game. And uh, as much as I said, no, it doesn't feel like that, I did also, like Mike, pick the Jacks to win the game. And so it was funny, Mike and I were talking after the game, and I was like, man, you know, when it was 21-7 and the Bison were driving down to make it 28-7, I, I told Mike, I said, I did think to myself for a second, like, man, Mike's going to feel like a jerk. Like, he looks stupid right now. I said, even I feel a little stupid because, you know, I did pick the Jacks to win. And Mike kind of made it a running joke all week about how, well, I just want to be proven right. And at the end of the game when it was over, he was sort of like, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, the Jacks won, but the way the, everything played out was not quite how anyone expected. Um, so it was just, you know, are the, do I still think those are the two best teams in the country? Probably, if not, who's the second? I mean, if, if, is it Idaho? <laughs> you know, J- I wouldn't know. Jason Eck and Idaho just beat Montana last week. The number, th- mm. what was the number three team? You still got Montana State, you know, and and um, Delaware and you know, some of those other teams. I don't Sacramento State. Who knows? I don't know what to think about those teams. But. You, you you bring up Jason Eck, which is an interesting name brought up by. One of our Coyote fans and one of our questions on Twitter. Well, I don't know if you missed it. He won a huge game on Saturday. They mm-hmm. beat Montana at Montana. I did miss that, yeah. yeah that's Montana was ranked number three. Wow. This and is so, year one? Wow. Yeah. Idaho was not ranked prior to that game, although I had been putting them in my top 25 for the last few weeks. They jumped all the way up to like 17 or something after that win. Now all of a sudden we have to entertain the thought of Jason Eck bringing Idaho to Dana J. Dykehouse <laughs> Stadium for a playoff game this oh, winter. So. How fun. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Mike McFeely, who probably a lot of you know, uh, very strong uh, in his columns and uh, on social media about his political leanings. That's part of his job is, is commentating on politics. Uh, and so he... Uh, so he gets a lot of hate mail, and he likes to show it, and he always uh, uses the headline in his subtweets, influencing people, making friends. And yesterday's edition was, Mikey, we know you hate the bison and anything else in North Dakota, so for sure you're a happy POS that the bunny rabbits won. I'm not going to even read the last line because it's political. But, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's what happens up there. And uh, so my friend Greg, back to him, who, wow, most pathetic second half ever. Mac, Matt ends, get your shit in order, whatever he said. Get your house in order. Uh, pack, I don't, does that mean pack your bags or just get your house no. in order? That means, yeah, get, yeah, okay. So at, at first I kind of, at first, I, again, I was driving. It was subliminal. I thought maybe, like, start getting ready to sell your house. <laughs> I don't think Anyway, that, that wasn't true. So this is, so Greg's pragmatic. I'm not going to just have somebody who's uh, off the handle here. So his bison reaction to this, bison Greg. Uh, I think the Bison will be okay. With that being said, this is the most undisciplined team I've seen them put on the turf since they entered the FCS. Stupid penalties? That cannot happen. Like our quarterback looking directly at the SDSU sideline while taunting them and right in front of the ref. Act like you've been there before. Yeah, that bow and arrow thing. Come on. Um, It's the missed tackles and not wrapping up those tackles. It's a young secondary that has to learn to play better. I saw some fans calling for the firing of ends, and that's just stupid. He does need to get his house in order, and the feeling I get is... 
that the players are not listening to the staff. Bison fans have come to expect a trip to Frisco every year. Is that possible? Probably not, but damn, this is not the same caliber of football that NDSU usually has. After the second half of the SDSU game ends, should have told the team to remain suited up, march them over to over to the fancy new $54 million practice facility, and go Herb Brooks on them. Like uh, after Team USA lost to the Norwegians, you, we all remember Miracle on Ice again, 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 again. Uh, and if and if these things uh, happen only during the SDSU game, that's fine. But it's happening in all of their previous games too. So there's the state of the Bison. Well, again, I hate to overreact, and and I don't want to cast dispersions because I'm certainly not around the North Dakota State program really at all. But I did wonder out loud last week. Is this going to be when we finally start to see some deterioration in the program? Because it's got to happen eventually. Mm-hmm. This just can't go on forever, that's, I wouldn't think. That's the hardest and worst part about being a fan that is enjoying a dynasty. for And, and, and this is now twice as long as Husker fans got to enjoy it. Yeah. It's it's the inevitable. Like, I'm not – this is not going to keep – you can't possibly keep up. And that's sad. I mean, you have nowhere to go but down. But, well, but we have said that before, thinking it was going to – that the – the fall was going to come, and it hasn't yet, yep. in part because FCS, you're not at the highest level you could be at. It was different for Nebraska or any other school in that situation, Alabama right now. Yeah, you can't move up to another higher level of college football. Right. You're at the top. So, yeah, there is only one way to go but down. There isn't. There are two ways for NDSU to go. They can join the FBS, you know. And we all think that that might happen to some degree, depending on what the future of college football is. But if they stay in FCS, given that – Everyone else in FCS is bailing. I mean, now this week came out that Kennesaw State is going to the FBS. I mean, geez, who's going to be left? Um, you know, yeah. and yes, you could keep you know winning national championships into perpetuity. That's why it's important for SDSU to close the gap because it kind of looks like right now like they're the only team in the nation that's even trying to compete with them for the, for the yeah. top of FCS. Everyone else is either not that good or they're leaving. Well, that here's why it's, no one's ever going to take a national championship trophy away from you. But uh, if and uh, to a degree, well, I'm just going to ask this in the form of a question: Does it become more illegitimate by the years this year compared to last year, next year compared to this year and previous years if SDSU does win a national title because? James Madison, Sam Houston State, teams like that are leaving the equation. It's kind of like how all of us, and this is not a knock on Augustana, it's just the truth. And, and to a degree, USF, since they, since, I mean, USF came in at the right time and Augustana started getting good at a time when SDSU and NDSU and USD yeah. and UND, yeah. had, you take four teams that are all land-grant institutions uh, who should have some advantages over you in sports out of your league, and yeah, all of a sudden you're starting to experience some athletic success you've never experienced before. It's just the fact. Yeah. So it kind of, I don't want to say will a national. It's it's never going to be a national title that's watered down. As long as North be, Dakota State it, is still you. in the you FCS. You just finished my sentence. Yeah, yeah you just yeah. finished my sentence. Now, um, if they leave and the Jacks win six in a row, then it's kind of like okay, cool. Great. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's probably why guys like Mike McFeely want NDSU to leave because right. it kind of feels like with USF and those NAIA national titles, boy, did they leave the room at the right time. I mean, yeah. they left on a high note. Kalen left on a high note. Yeah. And then, you know, and they, I mean, they, and that's the, and that's the life they lead. That's an interesting question to ask both Bison, especially Bison, but also Jackrabbit fans, if SDSU wins a national title or two, is would you rather keep winning national titles at a level where you've learned to master, or do you want to move on and be just really good, but it's going to be really hard and you might never see a national title again in your life at a higher uh, level? My prediction is that that decision is probably going to be made for them. Yeah. In that well, the future of college football is obviously very uncertain. They just want to be in whatever this, that second tier is, whether it's a 
God, you know, FCS as we know it, or some. It's the group the of five. The prevailing wisdom is continues to be that the top level of FCS and the group of five are going to combine to form something good and get their own national championship. Yeah, and and I whether they call that FCS or you know go back to calling it one A and one double A or yeah. I don't know. And I don't like to say I, I I never like to be I've been saying this for a year, guy. But you know I mean we this discussion's been going on for at least ten years, and I just I've never understood the teams uh, the the you know the non power five teams in the FBS. Who who want to be there? Right. They have no shot at a national title. Right. But oh, well, money, bull, cool, good. No one care. No one's watching you. No one cares. Right. But if you, but wouldn't wouldn't it be a little bit more fun if you guys had your own thing and your own playoffs? And we just did the split because it's the haves and the have-nots. And I mean, I guess the slight difference you know, is that if you're a Colorado State, if you're a Wyoming, whatever, every few years you can get one of those schools to come to your place. Yeah. Like right now, the Jacks can only do the FBS games on the road. They sure. can't get anyone at home. I mean, that's one slight is, benefit. Is, is that worth the move, though? I, no, I no. wouldn't think so. Um, all right, so let's get to uh, our Twitter question at John Gaskins981 from uh, some of our listeners uh, submitted before the recording. Do you, when else would they have been submitted after the recording? Okay, Paul says, uh, do you guys see the bison? He uses three Zs. Because I, 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 I was told when I was uh, tailgating with Bison fans a few years ago, it's the Bison. Possibly the, the Bison and possibly the Jacks eventually moving to the FBS. Actually, that just played right into what we were just saying. Seems like yeah. NDSU has nothing left to prove. Um, at the FCS level, fan base might be getting bored if NDSU went. long since been getting bored. The only yeah. reason they're still in FCS is because their location precludes them from finding a good FBS conference. I mean, it's easy for James Madison. It's easy for Sam Houston. They're right in the footprint of other FBS conferences. Fucking Ken Kennesaw State is going to Conference USA. They've only had a football team for like eight years. <laughs> you know, they just started it a couple of years ago, and they're not very good. They play in a soccer stadium and get 5,000 fans a game. Uh, Patrick Powers says, do you think the marker game is a little different for NDSU in that they know the Jacks aren't intimidated? I think we saw that. Yeah. Well, and we talked about it last week, how I mentioned how NDSU's players are now, you know, the players who dominated SDSU and never ha had to worry about them are all gone. This current class of players, all they know is a rivalry that's very heated, that's mm -hmm. very even. So, yeah. yeah, definitely. And this might play into something that that, plus what you were saying earlier about uh, the atmosphere at the game, was there a more business-like feel around the Jacks after the game versus years past? I think you kind of said I yes. Think McFeely kind of wrote his column about that. How yeah. this, this, when they beat him last time in the spring season, I guess I didn't notice it so much, but Mike was saying how they were all taking selfies with the marker and you know running around the field and just lingering and not wanting to go home. Whereas on Saturday they just, like I said, ran down, grabbed the marker, held it up, took a picture, jogged back to the locker room, got out of there. John at John D Green fifteen asks, "Do you see the Bison dropping another game?" Mm. You want to look at their? I I, I just popped up their Southern schedule. Southern Illinois is the toughest game left on their schedule. They've got the Illinois State team that just beat USD next. Uh, that's in Fargo. It'd be interesting to find out what the atmosphere is like for that game. Mm -hmm. uh, we have uh, then they're at Western Illinois and then they're at Southern Illinois and then they have the UND game. I mean, but I, that's at home, right? That is at home. I don't see it, but. No, I don't see it. Southern's the, Southern will be the tough one. Southern Illinois killed them in Carbondale uh, in the spring season. So there's that. 
Okay. But, yeah, I would favor North Dakota State in every remaining game. Okay. So, but, yeah, I mean, so, and if that's the case, it, it might, it's going to be. That's why it's important for SDSU to win out. NDSU. Well, that's, there you go. What's the, um, what's the, I think Isaac actually uh, struck Zeke at Isaac struck. Uh, the one game, he says, and he's a Jack fan, the one game I keep eyeballing on the schedule is when the Jacks take a visit down to the Unidome. Regardless of the lackluster start to the year for the Panthers, they have played spoiler to us countless times in years past, especially coming off a high on hope. Yeah, this always seems to happen when you and I comes to Brookings. Brookings, right. But for some reason, the Jacks seem to, correct me if I'm wrong, usually play well and win in uh, I think Cedar they, Falls. I think they did lose last time they were there. Kay. Or I take that back. They beat them in the spring season there. Kay. They lost the meeting there prior. But, yeah, they usually so – That was play. probably in a five-loss season. I think that was in 19 when they went eight and four, yeah. eight and five. Yeah. Um, you and I always play some tough. Yep. Home away, whatever. You and I plays um, almost everybody tough. Yeah. They're still well, they're, really good. They're a good team, yeah. yeah. Um, if you're the Jacks, you hope that they're out of the playoff picture by then and they don't have anything really to play for. Um, but, yeah, that's still a tough one. And, and this one Saturday is going to be tough, man. Yeah. Someone, a couple of people told me this week, UND is 14 points better at home. And they've won 17 of their last 18 in the Alaris Center. Mm. 17 and 1 in the last four years or whatever. Uh, Jacks have only won there once in their history. and It was a non-conference game in 2013. Should the Jacks win this game? Yes. Do I think they're going to win this game? Yes. Is it a gimme? Absolutely not. Is this exactly the kind of game we've seen the Jacks lose over the years to ruin their season? A letdown right after they get a huge win. The I was going to call them the Sioux. The Hawks are coming off a bye week, mm-hmm. so they're rested. They've had an extra week to prepare. There's a lot of things aligning to make you look at this and go, eh, this is definitely a trap game, mm-hmm. and it is a trap game. So what kinds of things uh, that d- does UND do well that might play? I haven't uh, looked a whole lot at their their. It is Tuesday. Their, yeah, it's, it's early Tuesday. in the week. I know Tommy <laughs> Schuster's a good quarterback. Okay. Um, I heard a couple of people say last year, because like I said, and UND beat them in the spring season in the Alaris Center, although the Jacks could have won that game. Then uh, they played last year in Brookings the week after the Hail Mary, and the Jacks were clearly suffering from a hangover from that because they played like ass. There were 4,000 people in the crowd because Jacks fans were like, fuck you. They were pissed off about the Hail Mary. Yeah. Um, But the Jacks got through it, won the game, and then they went on their spirited playoff run. But anyway, I heard a few times through the course of those two meetings that it's just not a great matchup for the Jacks. For whatever reason, UND just matches up with them well. I don't know. Like I said, I haven't broken down the film or anything like that. Not that that's something I really do anyway, but um, we'll see. Like I said, they have a good quarterback, and they're just a good football team that plays really well at home. They just always play really well at home. Yeah. Good thing for the Jacks is they have proven over the years that they can play well indoors. If you can play in the Fargo Dome, you can play at the Alaris Center. I haven't looked it up, but if they have a hockey game that night, maybe there won't be as many people Yeah, in the game. that's a good point. I hadn't <laughs> thought of that. <laughs> I mean, I say that jokingly. No, but I hadn't thought of that, but yeah. But it reminds me of the days when both Nebraska volleyball and like the University of Nebraska at Omaha, back when they had football, mm-hmm. you ne- never, ever schedule your game at the same time as the Cornhuskers. And yep. UND, yep. Just stay away from the uh, from the hockey from whenever the hockey team is playing. Um, and I, frankly, they're I, probably on the road. The I, hockey team, yeah, but I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I. It, it, when's the last time you've been there? 
So forget North me. Dakota? Yeah. 09 when USF beat them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, so I don't know if that's an accurate measuring stick. But I, I, do, I, I guess we'll find out. We'll talk about it next week what kind of football fans they have. You know, I mean, not just attendance-wise, but what they're like in there. So, oh. I mean, if they're winning, if they're 17 of 18, it, you know, there must be something about it. So. Bubba Schweyer's a good coach. Yeah. He's a Bob Nielsen protege. Ah, speaking of Bob. I was going to say, there's your segue right that's there. That's a good uh, – I don't know if that was intentional, but that was good. Um the uh, I right. saw that was one of the questions. Yeah, if, uh, John Green again. I, and uh, by the way, well, let's go to Coyote Eric. We'll get back to the questions in a moment. Let's uh, the the Yotes lost to Illinois State. They're one and five. You tweeted that there will be no playoffs now for USD. Is that because a lost? Even if they win out, and at least they've gotten past the NDSU and SDSU on the schedule. If they win out six and five. Do you think it's the Illinois State loss that really drops them out of consideration now, mm-hmm. even though their other four losses were to if they three win of out, the best teams? If they win out, given the strength of their schedule, they would have a chance. Mm-hmm. A chance. Mm-hmm. Typically, six and five teams have needed an FBS win to get in. I don't know if that's been a 100% of the time, but pretty close. Okay. And. If USD was six and five and one out, that means they'd go into the playoffs with a five-game winning streak. Of course, the committee is going to be like, "Hey, this team's on fire. Absolutely. That's what we want. We want hot teams in the playoffs." So, I wouldn't completely rule it out. But do we think USD is going to go five and zero oh down the stretch? Do they look like a team that's capable of that? Sure Not really. Like no, sure doesn't look like it. So, having said that, I, uh, Coyote Eric's uh, weekly thoughts a little more succinct this week. Uh, offense owes the team an apology. Offensive line was okay. Quarterback far too inaccurate. Play calling suspect. Second and 15 down at the 2 at the 50-yard line and you run the ball up the middle. Late getting out of the huddle, leading uh, to burning all timeouts in the first half, plus delay penalties. Same crap in second half. Uh, Now, before we get to the bigger picture on Bob Nielsen, what Coyote Eric said and some of our other listeners asked about, um, I believe it was Coyote Eric that I saw tweeting this during the game. Who's, who's now calling the plays for USD's offense? Bob Nielsen. And it's tough to just, you know, I mean, again, forget about all the things behind the scenes, off the field that's, that could be uh, incredibly all-consuming for Bob to go through and all the players to go through. Uh, again, when, when something's awry with a coach, it, the, sometimes that's reflected on the field. Everything's a mess. But, you know, it's, I mean, Bob's now in charge of this, and, and he's calling the offense, and it appears when you see all those kinds of penalties before the snap, uh, fire drills that uh, Bob's not getting the plays in on time, and uh, and and that's where you. It's 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 a harsh world we live in, but um, it, it's it, it seems to be kind of falling on him now that he's t- now that he's taking over the offense. Even though I know that's something he wasn't planning on doing. Yeah, I don't know, and I mean he's still down on the field, and you mm-hmm. know calling plays on the field is not. I don't know, ideal, I guess, maybe. I mean, nobody does it. That's for a reason. Almost every team nowadays has their OC <laughs> up in the booth. I, I don't know. I mean. I don't want to pile on. And we've talked about, you know, we've kind of danced around it a little bit, but there's, you know, some things outside of Bob's control that led to this scenario. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's doing the best with what, he, what he's mm-hmm. got. And he had to make that move. Um, to replace Ted. Ted is now completely out of the picture, as we talked about last week. So they're down a guy, you know, and down a, a big guy. It's not like they, lo- you know, fired a, a GA, you know, or a quality yep. control or something, a video coordinator. This is their offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. their quarterback's coach. 
So that's made things more difficult. And am I willing to give Bob a little bit of a pass because of that? Yeah, in the short term. You know, yes. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of hard to say, geez, you know, he had to do this, so let's give him a little bit of a break here. Having said that, um, is that going to be enough to save his job? Uh, it's, uh, I mean, it's I becoming know. increasingly more of a conversation. So Coyote Eric, when it comes to the Yotes playing Southern Illinois this week, he says, why would things be any different? This is who the Coyotes are. So he's not optimistic of a win. And uh, if that happens, uh, I'm, I'm sure Southern Illinois is a favorite. Then it's one and six. And Coyote Eric's thoughts on Bob? I think he's toast in six weeks. Losing is one thing. Losing while looking disorganized will get you fired. Yeah, and just you have to worry about, as we've talked about, the momentum of the program, the morale. I we mean, talked it, about this last week. If it gets to the point where it just feels like everyone's I – I definitely, definitely don't want to use the word quit. Um, it's been seven seasons. But you just get to the point where it kind of looks like this has gone as far as it can go and are the players buying in anymore and – is the is the culture of this program in a negative place? You know, and that includes the fans, because yeah, that's important. Yeah, absolutely, and it's absolutely. reflected in the seats. And USD is the kind of place where the fans. This, this is just factual, not knocking. The USD is the kind of place and football program and basketball program for uh, as well, where uh, things are going a little bit south and and falling off. It's it's reflected in attendance. It's tough to get people to Vermillion anyway. It's a small yeah, town as it is. You just don't want to find your program in a place where it feels a little moldy yeah. for lack of a better word yeah. you know i like the word eroding right. uh and uh, so john green tweets if bob let, gets let go after this season what's next for usd you hire a coach in 2015 with 200 plus wins and two division two national titles in year seven this is where this is where you are if he can't win in vermilion who can and who's going to want a job when a guy like that can't win there i'll i'll take this first john green uh, to channel Bill Clinton as a Husker fan, I feel your pain. I mean, <laughs> holy shit, I feel your pain. Uh, but I even e even as I watched Nebraska get worse and worse and fall, wheels keep coming. There's no wheels anymore. They've all fallen off. I I never lose. Have I lost? Have I lost true? Hope, confidence, whatever, that they're ever going to compete for a national title again in my lifetime. But I'm never going to say never. But, yeah, I mean, it's that's that's out the window. To think that you can never be competitive or better or get beyond this level just because a successful coach couldn't do it there, bullshit. I've never – and I never bought into that when, uh, when, when I wanted Bo Pelini fired and people wanted to keep Bo and everybody wanted Riley fired. But then once – and when Scott Frost got hired and then when he got fired, plenty of Husker fans – if Scott Frost can't do right. it, then fuck that. It, you know, my answer to that was somebody who holds a clipboard and, and uh, can can do it better than that. And uh, there's been so many there's been so many cases in the history of football just with a coach coming in that may not even seem as highly qualified as Bob Nielsen or this ex coach who does better. Uh, who gets things respectable and sometimes flips over a miracle. So uh, I feel like almost being a therapist here, John Green. It's d never say no. It's, a, it's an uphill battle. USD fights as a football program for obvious reasons we've talked about, SDSU and NDSU. But, I mean, somebody else besides Bob Nielsen can do it. I think it's a legit concern. It's a legit thing to point out that, geez, this guy had nothing but success. He's I'm, won everywhere. I'm not saying it's not legit and, either. And the Division II level that he won national championships at, that's good football. You know, I mean, the Duluth teams that he coached to national championships would probably finish in the top half of the Valley this year. It's not like the guy couldn't put together talent and know what to do with it. 
So I definitely understand this apprehension to be like, geez, if we let this guy go, who's going to want the job? Or if he can't do it, who can? That, to me, is a legitimate concern. Um, but to piggyback a little bit off what you just said about how you know you never know who's out there. Also, we've spent half of this show talking about how shitty FCS football's getting. You know, keep that in mind. Um, is USD anywhere close right now to being as good as North Dakota State or South Dakota State? Not really. You know, and does it look like they're losing ground? Yeah. Is it tough for them to recruit against those schools in their own backyard? Absolutely. All those things are stacked against them. Having said that, there's really only two good teams in the Valley this year. That's an overstatement. But, you know, just as recently as six, seven years ago, my God, the Valley is just so brutal and so loaded, and there's, you know, five, six teams that are all national championship caliber. And that's still somewhat true, only because the rest of FCS has gotten so shitty. If you somehow manage to avoid or get by SDSU or, U or NDSU in the playoffs, you've got a chance to win it all. On the other side of the bracket or whatever, if you get by the Montana schools or in the past, Sam Houston, James Madison, Youngstown State made it to the national championship game in Bo's first year yeah. when they were like a 7-4 and four team or something. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't think that's necessarily possible anymore because, like I said, or not in the short term, the, the the middle of the valley isn't as good as it used to be. There's a bigger gap between SDSU and NDSU and the middle of the pack yeah. than there used to be. Having said that, someone's got to be the third best team in the valley. Why can't it be USD? It can be. I thought it might be them this year, difficult schedule notwithstanding. Mm -hmm. Turned out I was wrong, and they were they thought so too. They were wrong, whatever. Um, if you're USD and you whether you want to keep Bob or or make a change or whatever, I get it. Like, geez, we're so far away from SDSU and NDSU right now. Yes, you yep. are. Yep. But that doesn't mean that you're far away from being the third best team in the yes. Valley, at which point you're winning seven, eight games. You're competing for a playoff spot and hopefully keeping your fans invested into yeah. November. Yeah. Or that it's going to take or forever for you to get to that point either. Right. You know, I mean, it might yeah, not. Yeah, you have a few of those years. To Bob's credit, he's got it going. You know, they've been to the playoffs twice. He's been able to do it. He yeah. hasn't been able to sustain it. He hasn't been able to get it to where they're, okay, worst case scenario, we're 6-5, and 7-4 and four every year. I think if they could get there to where, okay, yeah, we haven't had that 10-1 and one season yet. We haven't gone to the semifinals. We haven't yada, yada, yada. If you can at least get to, hey, every year minimum, we're 6-5, and 7-4. and four. We're right in the playoff hunt every single year. If you can get there, that's when the culture of the program changes a little bit. Maybe you start winning more of those recruiting battles yes. with SDSU and NDSU. Yeah, one of those two difference-making recruits. Yeah. Usually yeah. a quarterback. And hopefully that's reflected in the attendance, and that's when things change. I mean, you got that. I mean, you, and you've seen what a difference-making quarterback can do. They're really hard to find, or else they wouldn't be so difference-making. But, you know, Chris Drevler elevated everything. Um, Austin Simmons wasn't bad either. Right. Uh, JDB says regarding this, USD needs a younger, passionate guy. See Idaho hiring Jason Eck to rebuild the program. Someone will win in Vermillion. It's still a good job. Um, I do think it's still a pretty good job. I don't think it's a great job. And I hear what he's saying, but I also think, you know, Joe Glenn was this, you know, Papa Bear sort of figure that everyone loved, had the yep. charisma, the personality, everything. I think Bob Nielsen made sense as sort of, you know, okay, we've had this guy that was out there winning the press conferences and kissing babies and trying to get the fan base energized. Now let's bring in a tactician to actually sort of build the program. Tighten up. the screws. Yeah. Yeah. And Bob did that to some degree, but he hasn't been as successful as they wanted them him to be, obviously. And if they do make a change at some point, I think it probably goes without saying that's what they're going to do, what this guy suggested. Like, hey, what's Bob, you know, whatever you say about Bob, one thing we know he isn't 
is that sort of guy, you know, yeah. an energetic, out yep. in the public, oh, you know, yeah. public face. You know, he's a, he's a, you know, we've always made the jokes. He reminds you of a, of a middle school. He principal. wears a shirt and tie. Yeah. He's the last guy that does that. that that's fine. But I just I, well, mean, yeah, his no, personality I, I just, is not yeah. to go out there and, right. you know, be, he's, he's not on Twitter, you know, I mean, just that, that, that he's that kind of guy. Yeah. It, whenever they make a change, I think it, it probably goes without saying that they're going to look to someone who can energize the fan base because that's younger. not what Bob well, does. Look what happened after Todd Lee. It doesn't have to be young. I mean, usually yeah. that's the case, but it's yeah. again, Bob has kind of gotten away with, yeah, energizing the fan base isn't really what I do. Right. Well, okay, the next guy is probably going to be asked to do that Oh yeah, because the fan base needs energizing. Well, and to a certain point, that's extremely important, and it's, it's more difficult again in Vermillion, small town. A lot of your gr- biggest fans are... An hour away, well, and, and and if it whatever. if it's bullshit, that becomes clear quickly. Mm. You know, if a guy comes yes. in and he's all blustery and hey, hey, hey look at me, and this is great. Yeah. You know, it doesn't take long to go. Okay, this is all a show, and the guy right. can't actually coach. Yeah, like an example again. Oh, it's my Nebraska buttons keep pushing, but you know, Tim Miles at Nebraska, second year he takes him to the NCAA tournament. That helps a lot. You know, or else he's you know, he's a clown within three years. Uh, Darren, I know we're I know we're I know we're wrapping her up. Darren says, "What was the one thing that happened in a game or other sporting event that was hardest for you to describe?" Um, well, I mean, nowadays so many of the games you cover are on TV, so that's not as hard. Um, certainly, the Hail Mary. I remember last year sitting at my spot in press row for a good ten minutes, going, "How the hell do you write that? You know, how do you sum that up or whatever?" If it's games that aren't on TV, especially like high school games where you're literally having to like. And I'm sure it's even more like this for you, being a radio guy, having to paint the picture for people. You know, if there's something complicated, then it's kind of like, how do you, how do you summarize this for people to so that they see what you saw? You I mean, know? I mean, we we get the play-by-play answers. I believe is what you're getting at. Yes. I mean, we at least get the luxury of we can talk about plays after they happen to more eloquently describe what just happened because that happens on almost every play, whether you're doing it by yourself or you've got a uh, analyst. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, the, the great fear in all of us is uh, <laughs> getting behind, missing an important detail. And it's too late; you can't edit in the moment. Right. You know, you have to be on the radio. Here's an inside trade secret. Uh, you know, you can be behind or even make a mistake, and n- nobody might know. Uh, but that's that's pretty much gone because now everything is streamed, yep. and, uh, and that includes my games. All my games are streamed now, so I've got I've got to uh, I've got to keep up now. I'm not fooling anybody if I'm a little late or if I'm a little off. Uh-huh. So the big fear is, but especially in a huge moment like a hail mary or a trick play or anything, is that uh, you're not on top of it and you identify things, especially the people, incorrectly. Uh-huh. Uh, that's um, yeah, that's 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 a big fear in my shoes. All right, um, that's about it. See you in Grand Forks. I know, uh, well, I, w- I won't see you in Grand Forks, but in, I know I'm talking to our <laughs> listeners that are all going to make the trip <laughs> to the Alaris Center. Enjoy Grand Forks. Have a nice yeah. time. We'll hear about it next week. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. Because <laughs> you know the wrong drinks? Uh, yes. Yeah.